Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, it is our second golf preview of the week. Today, we are going to be breaking down Live Greenbrier. We are going to be breaking down the course itself, the old white course at the Greenbrier Resort. And then we're going to be trying to figure out what golfers here in the Live field can, in fact, win this golf tournament or help you win some money in DFS. We're going to be breaking it down from both standpoints here on this episode. Now, I mentioned it is our second preview of the week. If you missed the first one, we previewed the Wyndham Championship yesterday. Either check out the channel on YouTube or check out the episode feed on audio form. You're going to want to check that out. I have actually got a little bit of local knowledge because I am from Greensboro. So the Wyndham Championship coming back to Greensboro, I do get to give kind of a different perspective that I don't get to give for every PGA Tour golf tournament. Anyway, check out that preview if you haven't already. But today we are going to break down everything Live Greenbrier. So... If you are watching on YouTube, please like and subscribe. It really helps me out a lot. If you are listening on audio form, please rate and review. Again, helps me out a lot, shows me a lot of support. Uh, it just really helps me grow the YouTube channel and the podcast feed, and I really do appreciate it. All right, that's enough for the introduction. Let's go ahead and start our preview of Live Green by Bride, breaking down the course itself. But first, let's get a quick word from our friends at Spotify. <laughs> All right, so Live Greenbrier is going to be played at the Old White TPC. I do not know if it still has the TPC attached to it, but it is known as the Old White Course at the Greenbrier Resort in White Sulphur Springs, Virginia. The Greenbrier Resort is actually like a huge complex, and this is one of many golf courses that are there. But apparently this is the nice one because this one's the one that all the big tournaments get played at. Anyway, the Old White TPC plays as a par 72, and it plays at about 7,200 yards. That's where it's going to be at about this week. Um, the scorecard that I could find had it at about 7,300, but everything that I've seen indicated from Liv is either in the high 71s or the low 7,200s, so I'm going to guess that it's about at 7,200 yards this week. It is a par 70, and it is not a particularly long par 70. Um, it, it's got a lot of par 4s. The par 3s have some length to them, um, so pretty much what you're looking at is the par 4s are really kind of below average length. There's a lot of, not dissimilar to what we're going to see at Sedgefield this week, there's a lot of par fours that are in the 400 to 450 yard range. So kind of being successful at, you know, kind of these shorter golf courses, successful with these shorter par fours is going to pay big dividends this week. Now the Green Bar is a classical design. It was originally designed in 1914 by Charles McDonald. And it's, and, you know, by classical design, I mean, it's just your standard run of the mill, a Parkland American golf course, right? Like it's going to be tree-lined on both sides of the fairways. Um, and many holes here are actually remakes of holes that were, you know, more famous at, you know, a, a Scottish or a British venue. Like there's hole number eight, which is a remake of the famous Redan hole. Um, there's another hole that is a remake of the 11th at St. Andrews. I do not remember which one it is here, but it's a par three. Uh, no, hole number 15 here. That's the one that the remake of 11th at St. Andrews. But Pretty much the notable features that you're going to need to know here is, yes, the fairways are tree-lined, but it's not the densest tree-lined fairways you'll ever see. This is not as narrow as, say, a colonial country club or a harbor town, but it is going to be important to keep the ball in the fairway and keep out of tree trouble. But the trees really represent the only hazards. There really hasn't been a whole lot of teeth when the PGA Tour tournament has been played here. Uh, the greens themselves are very small and they are bent grass greens. So I do think that it, it will be important to, when you're looking at putters, have guys that are you know good at bent grass. That, that There's definitely an art to that. Now, as mentioned, earlier I did lose this page somehow 
Um, so I'm pulling it back up on YouTube. But what you're going to see is the winning score here. When the PGA played an event here, they played an event called the Greenbrier Classic from 2010 to 2019, and then it was kind of taken out of the rotation. But the winners here tended to win with pretty low scores. Like this tended to be a fairly easy event. The winning score actually was never higher than minus 10 and never lower than minus 22. So this tended to be a little bit of a birdie fest. And what you can look at when you just look at the winners is you see a lot of guys who are not necessarily super long off the tee, not known as being bombers, but guys who are known as being ball strikers. Stuart Appleby, Scott Stallings, Ted Potter Jr., Jonas Blixt, Angel Cabrera, Danny Lee, Xander Shoffley, Kevin Na, and Joaquin Neiman are all the winners here. And even when you look at the runners-up, it's a lot of guys who are not known for distance, such as Kevin Kisner, Tom Hoagie, Kelly Kraft. So I really don't think distance is going to be a super huge um, determining factor this week when just looking at that. Now, with Liv kind of having limited strokes gain data, one thing we can do is we can kind of look and see who has played well here in the past to kind of get a vibe of, you know, kind of what's going to go down here at this course this week. And so if you look at the golfers on all the PGA Tour that have played well at the Greenbrier in the past, again, you're looking at a lot of guys who are just known for being ball strikers. You know, these aren't short gamers. These aren't like your up and down kings. These aren't your bombers. They're guys who play the fairway and green game. They hit fairways, they hit greens, and then they try to make the birdie putts. It, it comes as no surprise to me that Scotty Scheffler, even though he only played here in 2019 when he was probably like 22 years old, you know, is one of the top guys in strokes gain here because he's like the best ball striker on the planet. Xander Shoffley, Victor Hovland have also played well here. Tony Finau has played well here. Notably among the live guys, Joaquin Neiman has a win here. Sebastian Munoz has played well here. Kevin Na has a win here, has played well here. Um, and then Harold Varner III has played well here also. But again, if you just look at the names of the guys who have played well here, it's just a lot of ball strikers. Now, if you narrow it down to just the live field, the top five in terms of strokes gained at the Greenbrier have been Joaquin Neiman, Sebastian Munoz, Kevin Na, Harold Varner III, and Pat Perez. It definitely stands out to me. It's pretty cool this week that we have the ability to do this, and I'm using the tools at rickrungood.com because Live does not feature a lot of courses that have hosted PGA Tour events, and they don't really feature a whole lot of detailed strokes gain data as well. So being able to pull this up should definitely be a big time help this week when it comes to making bets or producing lineups. Now, the other thing that I wanted to point out was that Live has given us very minimal stats. Like, they don't give us strokes gain. What they do give us is they do give us driving accuracy. They do give us driving distance. They do give us scoring average, birdies, greens and regulation, all that stuff. So I do think it's worth looking at a little bit of the live stats that we've got. And I do think driving accuracy is going to be important this week. It's going to be important to find fairways because you want to stay out of tree trouble. You want to give yourself the best chance possible to hit the green and give yourself a look at birdie. So the top five in driving accuracy on live this season has been Henrik Stenson, Abraham Answer, Richard Bland, Paul Casey, and Taylor Gooch. And then if you look at birdies on live this season, the top guys in birdies have been Dustin Johnson, Cam Smith, Brooks Kepka, Taylor Gooch, and Patrick Reed. I think it's worth noting that the only guy who has been a crossover for both of them um, just so happened to be Taylor Gooch. He, he's the guy that kind of fits the formula this week for finding fairways, finding greens, finding birdies. So 
to kind of summarize all that up, the Greenbrier, shorter course, positional golf course. Uh, I would prefer to have guys who have good history at shorter positional golf courses. They're small bent grass greens, so I'm kind of targeting very accurate players off the tee and on approach who also have an ability to putt on bent grass greens. Now, let's take a look at the DraftKings board and see if we can find some guys who fit that description. All right, so I am looking at the board for DraftKings pricing, and the betting board looks pretty similar as well with the names that are going to be at the top. Now, this is a unique spot on the live schedule, in my opinion, because what you're looking at is there's a lot of live guys who basically their entire lives revolve around major championship golf. Here's looking at you, Brooks Kepka. So pretty much this is the first live event that is after the major championship season. So I think it's actually a big factor this week. And there's no way to quantify this. There's no way to know this. You know, we're not in the locker room. We're not inside these guys' heads. Like, we don't know what's going on in these guys' lives. But I do think that motivation will play a factor this week. And like I said, there's no way to quantify that. You're just, it's a guessing game. But you're going to have to, to win this event, you're going to have to want to come out and play well for just for no other reason other than like your own self-determination, right? Like you're not prepping for a major championship. You're not prepping for the FedEx Cup. You know, you're not prepping for an event. You're just trying to go out and play well just for your own sake. And so I do think that this week there's going to be kind of an expansion of guys who are just playing motivated golf and giving their all and staying engaged as opposed to guys who are getting disengaged or just don't really feel like they have much to play for. Again, I don't know how to quantify that. It's a guessing game, but I definitely think it's going to matter as we enter this live season post-major season. Now, also, looking at the DraftKings board, there's two things that stand out to me. And one, when you play any live event in DFS, you got to acknowledge that it's a 48-player field, there's no cut, and everybody is playing six golfers. So theoretically, everybody is playing 12.5% of the field. That should be the average ownership of every player. It's significantly less than every PGA Tour event except for the Tour Championship. So what you've got to do when you construct these lineups is find ways to be different at least once. You can play some chalky guys because everybody's going to be chalky to a degree, but you got to find some guy that's different. You got to find some guy that's a little bit unique if you want to win. And more importantly, you got to have guys outplay their finishing position. One thing I I love to do is kind of rank where these guys are at in salary and kind of see, oh, okay, can this guy outplay, you know, the 41st salary or the 39th salary or something like that? And so one thing that stands out to me total is like the guy at the very bottom, Sewan Kim. Um, he hasn't finished better than 40th at any live event this season. So it's probably not a good track record for like outpaying his price. I, I'd, I almost wonder with him if live wanted Siwoo Kim and they, they sent their mail to the wrong Kim. But anyway, you know, I, I, nothing ill will towards the guy, but just, just saying in terms of lineup construction, you want guys who can outperform their salaries. So let's take a look at the top of the board. So for the top of the board this week, And I happen to think DraftKings made pricing more difficult. I think they moved a lot of guys up into the 8K and 9K range that were previously not there. Looking at the top of the board this week, if I were to play anybody from the top, I would probably play Bryson DeChambeau, believe it or not. So one thing I really like about Bryson is he went to an environment that really didn't suit his game at all in Royal Liverpool, made the cut, was great off the tee, was great around the greens, and kind of just gave it all away with the putter. 
It's kind of the same thing that he did at the U.S. Open and at Oak Hill for the PGA. He was great off the tee, and at those two tournaments, he was even great on approach, but just not great with the putter. And so I kind of feel like Bryson's ball striking is in a really good spot right now. And all he needs is just, you know, a decent week with the putter and he's going to be all right. And one thing I like about small greens, small greens at the Greenbrier means that there's less of a chance for the putter to go bad because you're only looking at like a 40 foot putt. You're not looking at like an 80 foot putt that you can miss by 17 feet and then you're still going to struggle to two putt. No, you're only looking at a 40 foot putt where you're just looking to tap that thing in for par if you miss it. So I really like where Bryson's ball striking is looking. And I think this course kind of mitigates some of his um, disadvantages. Now you could argue that it also mitigates some of his advantages because distance is not a determining factor. But may I remind you, he came in second at Valderrama, a course that certainly could not be overpowered. That was very very narrow, much more narrower than this one. And he did that by hitting a lot of driving irons off the tee as opposed to going with the driver every time. So I really think that Bryson, if he's able to kind of maintain his same form ball striking and you know continue to be good with clubs less than driver off the tee, just find the putter. And I think he's going to get his first live event. And I definitely don't question the motivation with Bryson DeChambeau. You know, the guy that's known as the scientist, he's always out there looking to win. And, and I think it would kind of prove something to himself and a lot of people if he's able to go out and even just win this live event. So I really do like Bryson DeChambeau of anybody at the top of the board this week. Now, I don't think you can go wrong with Cam Smith or Brooks Kepka also. Even when they're not engaged, they have a very high floor because they're just so good at certain aspects of their game. Kepka is just a fairways greens guy, and, and Cam Smith is just so hot in the short game. No matter what trouble he gets himself in, he seems to always get himself out of it and get, him, get himself in up and down. Now, if there's any guy from the top that I'm going to be fading this week, it's going to be Dustin Johnson. Um, I don't really have a whole lot of faith in Dustin Johnson right now. Um, everything seemed to be trending in the right direction up until the Open Championship. And, and what does he do? He hit, has a few bad holes on Friday, mails it in, shoots an 81, misses the cut terribly. Like he was one of the worst players in the field. I think he was worse than Justin Thomas, which is saying something. And so I really just, that kind of tells me a lot about his level of engagement. And I, I'm kind of just willing to, just fade that this week. I don't think he's going to stay fully engaged. I don't think that this course really suits his game particularly well either. So I'm just willing to pass on Dustin Johnson this week. Now, looking down in the 9K range on DraftKings, kind of the next little range in terms of betting, I think everybody's going to be on Taylor Gooch this week. Um, I have previously not been like the biggest Gooch guy. Um, I've said in previous live podcasts, they're like, hey, it's cool that he won his previous, you know, two tournaments and then it became three tournaments. I'm good to continue fading him. But I kind of think that now looking back at it, that was a little short sighted of me because Liv's only a 48 person field. He only has to beat 47 guys to win. So it's not inconceivable that a guy can win three or even four times in a year. The other thing is, I think this course sets up very well for his game. He's traditionally been good on shorter courses. He's traditionally been a good bent grass putter. And the last time that Liv played at a narrow off the tee golf course at Valderrama, he was able to win that golf tournament over Bryson DeChambeau. So I think everything sets up well for Taylor Gooch, but everybody who's playing DraftKings knows that it sets up well for Taylor Gooch. And so I think that he's going to be super highly owned. In fact, what I think you're going to see a lot of this week on DraftKings is I think you're going to see a lot of people bypass the 10K range in time entirely and just start their lineup Gooch Neiman. Now, why might somebody go Joaquin Neiman, you might ask? Well, he was the last winner of this tournament when it was held in 2019 at the Green Bar Resort. He has won at this golf course. 
And so I kind of think that's a pretty good sign, and I think people know that as well. So I think people are going to go with Neiman. Now, his last two starts on Live were a T10 at Valderrama and a T21 in London. Again, if I'm comparing any Live event to this course, it would be Valderrama because of how narrow it is off the tee and how its distance is not a determining factor. So I like that T10 at Valderrama. I like that he's a winner at this event. I think you're going to see a Gooch Neiman start by a lot of people on DraftKings this week. And while I like both of them, I'm probably not going to be pairing both of them in the same lineup. So who can you pivot to, you might ask, if you don't want to go Gooch Neiman? Well, I happen to like Harold Varner III. He popped up on rickrungood.com for having good history here at um, the Greenbrier. He's also historically been pretty good at courses that are kind of in this general region. Um, you know, North Carolina, South Carolina, you know, West Virginia is not super far from that. Maybe I'm reaching a little bit, but it, it's only like a four-hour drive um, from North Carolina and South Carolina where he's, you know, been pretty good at in his career. Um, he's been good at Harbortown, which is another narrow off-the-tee course. Um, he also won at Live DC, which is a course where um, – the driver didn't matter a whole lot. Really, with HV3, the driver's kind of the worst club in his bag, if I'm being totally honest. And at a course you know, in DC where you could be a little wayward off the tee, where distance wasn't like a super huge advantage, it, it definitely played into his hand. And I kind of think that this week plays into his hand as well because he's not going to have to hit driver on every hole. He's going to be clubbing down a little bit. It's what gave him a lot of success at Harbortown back in the day. So I really do think this sets up good for HV3. He has a good history here from his time on the PGA Tour. He, he's a guy that I would pivot to if you don't want to go with Gooch or Neiman. However, I do think in terms of a pure betting standpoint, not a DFS ownership standpoint, I would much rather bet on Gooch or Neiman than HV3, even though HV3 does have a little bit more narrow odds. Sebastian Munoz is another guy that popped up when we did the course history on rickrungood.com. His finishes on live have been really good. In fact, his last three finishes on live, 4th, 4th, and 21st. He came in 49th at the U.S. Open also, which is also bent grass greens. Um, so he, the fact that he was able to make the cut, the fact that he was able to putt semi-decently on bent grass greens, that's a somewhat encouraging sign. And I like the fact that he was fourth at Valderrama, another course that took driver out of the hand and was narrow off the tee. So I think everything is setting up well for Sebastian Munoz this week also. Looking down in the 8K range on DraftKings, just a few of my favorites, first of which is Kevin Na. Yes, he has won here. Um, he won here when the PGA Tour was playing at the Greenbrier, but also his recent finishes on Live have been pretty good. T6 in DC, T27 in Valderrama, where really he had just one bad round. I don't know what happened to him on Sunday at Valderrama, but his Friday and Saturday were pretty doggone good. And then he was 11th at London. Um, just... If he comes in 11th or 6th place like he did at London or D.C., you're going to be satisfied with that on DraftKings out of Kevin Na. You know, the fact that he's won this event before, I think that makes him a live bet to win this tournament. But I definitely like him more in a DraftKings format where he just needs to give me a top 10, top 15 finish for me to be happy. But I definitely think Kevin Na is in play this week. Henrik Stenson is a guy that I believe is going to be popular. So you, if you're listening to this podcast, you might know this, but do you know who the low live golfer was at the Open Championship at Royal Liverpool? 
was Henrik Stenson. Came in T13, and he did it with just a ball-striking clinic. He wasn't great off the tee, but hey, he's old and never been great with the driver, so I wouldn't expect him to gain a lot of strokes off the tee, but he was elite on approach, and he was really good with the short game as well, and that can kind of be the formula here again this week. Keep it in play off the tee. Be really good on approach into these small greens, and you're going to hit a lot more of them than your competition. Be good with the putter, and you're going to make more birdies than the competition. Also, in terms of a motivation factor, I think Henrik Stenson has probably as big of a motivation factor as anybody playing this event. I think he's determined to show the European Ryder Cup organization that they shouldn't have removed him as captain and that you know, he kind of still wants to be a part of that and he's still deserving of it. So I think he wants to go out there and play well as just kind of a, a screw you to those guys. Now, his recent finishes on live have been pretty solid also. T18 in Tulsa, T14 in DC, T31 in Valderrama, and much like Kevin Na, he just gave it all away on Sunday. Uh, and then a T6 at London was also encouraging. So I really do like Henrik Stenson. If anybody in the 8K range on DraftKings, I think he is the most live bet to win. I also think he is going to be popular on DraftKings. So who can we pivot to in the 8K range that is less popular? Let's go with Abraham Answer. So Abraham Answer is very quietly rounding into form. His start of the live season was honestly not great. Like ever since Mayakoba, like he hadn't really put together a whole lot of anything. A T11 in Adelaide, followed by almost a dead last finish at Singapore. And then he missed the cut at the PGA Championship. And then a T42 at DC. It just looked like his season was going just entirely the wrong way. However, he made the cut at the US Open, which is a start. Like making the cut at the US Open for a guy on live, like that's acceptable in my opinion. And after that, he's been pretty good. T19 at Valderrama. T11 at Live London, and then made the cut at the Open Championship, a venue that I didn't think really suited his game very well at all, um, and came in 49th place. I played him in DraftKings a little bit at the Open Championship because of the low ownership and because of the fact that um, his form was just improving. And, you know, he kind of paid that off a little bit. He made the cut and came in 49th. So I'm willing to go back to him for that reason. I just think his form is continuing to increase as the year goes on. You know, this is not a long golf course where his lack of distance is going to hurt him. So I do think this is a really good spot for Abraham Answer here at the Greenbrier. Now heading down into the 7K range. Mark Leishman is another guy like Answer whose season was just going not how he wanted it to. I mean, even if, if he cared, I guess. He, he's kind of a carefree guy. But anyway, not really great in his starts on live at the start of the season. He, he started off hot with Mayakoba in Tucson, but then really didn't really put it all together until last tournament at Live London, which is also another kind of narrow Parkland design. And he played really well and he came in second place. And he made 19 birdies at that event. It, it really makes me feel like if he could have just avoided a few of those bogeys, he might've won that tournament over Cameron Smith. But anyway, I like the fact that Mark Leishman is rounding into form also. I, I think he makes sense for a solid DraftKings play. Although I do question if he has the upside to win this event. Pat Perez is a guy that showed up when we looked at the um, numbers at the Greenbrier. And he's also a guy who has probably not got the upside to win this golf tournament, but I do think that he's, he's definitely going to outperform his DraftKings price. I mean, his last four finishes on live, T18, T18, T23, T6. Like if he does that at $7,600 on DraftKings, like I'm okay with that. Like, and the fact that he's got good history at this course, I think bodes well for him. He's probably going to be one of the value plays that I stick into my lineup. Anderbon Lahiri is a guy that I couldn't really find any stats 
to back me up on this, but I just kind of feel like this suits his game pretty well. Like, just knowing what I know about Andrew Bontley here, he's not super long off the tee. He's not really great in any aspect other than the fact that he's a pretty good ball striker. And so I kind of just just got a gut feeling this might be a good week for Andrew Bond. He was T11 last time at Live London. His other best finishes this season have been T11 in Tulsa and a second at Live Adelaide. So I've got my hopes up for Andrew Bond here. Again, I can't really back that up with a whole lot of numbers, but just knowing about what I know about his style of golf, I think it makes sense. Now, let's talk about what might be some 7K chalk, what a lot of people are playing on DraftKings. First of which is Lowry Cantor, who is coming off of pretty good run of golf starting in Tulsa T23 T18 T19 T17 in Live London and then a T17 at the Open Championship in a much tougher field I might add so I just think his recent form is in a really good spot I think everybody on DraftKings is going to click at the game log see what he's been doing and plug him into their lineups I think he's going to be super popular again Ownership in live contests is not a determining factor to me unless I look at my lineup and I'm like, oh crap, I think all six of these guys are going to be chalky plays. That's when I start to get a little concerned. So I do think you can play Lowry Cantor. Just understand he's going to have some ownership. Another guy that's going to have some ownership is going to be Danny Lee. Is it because he's been playing well? No, absolutely not. He hasn't come in the top 30 in a live event since April, but he's a winner here at the Greenbrier. And I definitely think a lot of people know that fact. And I think a lot of people are going to use him because of that fact. So recent form, if you're a guy who prioritizes recent form, Danny Lee is not your guy. If you're a guy who prioritizes course history, Danny Lee is your guy because he's won at this golf course. Now in the 6K range, let's go ahead and talk about David Puge. I believe Puge is how you pronounce it. Oh, hold on. I must have lost my page. So let's talk about David Puge. So David Puge is a young guy who... It was kind of surprising that the Live Tour got because he wasn't really well known. But he's a guy who is kind of heating up. And what I mean by that is he was 12th at Live DC and followed that up with a T39 finish at the U.S. Open with a T5 at Valderrama. He kind of cooled down a bit with a T40 at Live London. But what I like to see is his performance at Los Angeles Country Club, that T39. He was good off the tee. He was not good on approach or around the greens, but he gained 5.69 strokes putting. Normally, we say that putting is one of the hardest to repeat stats, right? But remember, we don't have a lot of live data. What we do have is data from when those guys play the majors. And this major, the U.S. Open, was bent grass greens. This tournament here at the Greenbrier is going to be on bent grass greens. So if he can gain five strokes putting at Los Angeles Country Club, I have no doubt that he gained five strokes putting at Liv Greenbrier. If he can come in fifth place at Valderrama, of course, that's narrow off the tee that takes driver out of your hand and distance is not a determining factor. I believe he can do that at the Greenbrier. I think this is a pretty good setup for David Puge. He is one of my favorite value plays for the week. Bubba Watson is a guy whose recent form is not great, but Bubba Watson has a deep affinity for this course. This is actually kind of an inspirational story. In 2016, West Virginia was hit with a lot of floods, and, and the Greenbrier's golf course is flooded. Bubba Watson financially backed like a lot of the restorations of this golf course, which is, is pretty cool because, you know, Professional golfers, well, Bubba's got a lot of money now that he's on live, but professional golfers are, you know, kind of tournament to tournament 
determines how much money they make, right? They're, they don't have like a huge, like just stockpiles of money to give. So the fact that he put up a lot of his own money to help live or not live, to help the green buyer restore their courses means that he clearly has an affinity for this golf course, right? The finishes on live have left a little bit to be desired, however, but I, I do think that, you know, this being here at this course might do Bubba some good. So he's a guy who's definitely on my radar. I don't think he's going to be super highly owned. So he might be a sneaky value play this week. Now, America's value play, Scott Vincent. He seems to be one of the most highest owned value plays on live week in, week out. And it's because he seems to outperform his salary week in, week out. Even dating back to the start of the season, he had three straight top 22 finishes to start the season, came in fourth at live Singapore, and then has gotten three top 20s in the last five live events. And I mean, that's enough to pay off his salary. You don't need him to win the tournament. If you're playing him on DraftKings, you just need him to come in about 15th place or 20th place, and that's fine. So I think a lot of people are going to be on Scott Vincent. He might not win you a GPP, but he might help you cash if you play him in your lineup. Now, the last guy that I would be willing to play in this 6K range because it gets pretty bad pretty quick would be Matt Jones. He's a guy that he just tends to play his best golf at shorter, narrower golf courses. Even when you think about what he did best when he was on the PGA Tour, he played well at the Honda Classic, short, narrow, water everywhere. Um, you know, he played well at, um, where was it? It was Whistling Straits, I believe it was, which is a long golf course, but, you know, there's a lot of hazards on that one. You got to keep it in play off the tee. Uh, and then also on live this season, T6 at Tulsa, T14 at Valderrama, he tends to play well at these shorter, narrower golf courses. I'm willing to give him a rollout for that if I want to get a little bit more aggressive off the top. However, I have totally no problem just ignoring the 6K range this week if you can serve enough salary to do so. All right, that does it for the board for Liv Greenbrier. If I had to pick one guy to win this week, I believe that guy, it would be too easy to go with Joaquin Neiman. It would be too easy to go with Taylor Gooch. Mathematically, I think those are probably the two most likely guys, but I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and pick Sebastian Munoz to win this week. I, I like his history at this course. I like his form coming in. I think this is a pretty good spot for him. Sebastian Munoz is going to be my pick to win Liv Greenbrier. All right, so if you made it this far, that was the, the full preview. Thank you guys for watching or listening to this point. If you like what you heard or saw, please like on YouTube. Please rate and review on the audio form. It really helps me out a lot. It really helps people um, find the channel and help me grow this channel and grow this podcast feed. You guys are the best, and I really do appreciate it. Now, that does it for this preview. If you have not checked out the Wyndham Championship preview, please go check that out now. It's on the podcast feed, and it is on the channel feed on YouTube as well. I guarantee that'll help you at the Wyndham this week, hopefully like this episode did as well. Hopefully this episode was able to give you guys some information that you can use to either find outright winners or help build your DFS lineups this week for the Live Greenbrier. Thank you guys for watching and listening, and I will see you next time.